0: Hey, American Hauntings fans, it's Troy. You've been hearing me plug our other podcast, Dead Men Do Tell Tales, which is available only on Patreon, for a few weeks now. I've told you about the two full seasons that are already available there and have been promising season three, and now it's here. Our new season is called Sinister, and it features the life and crimes of H.H. Holmes. That's a full season of Holmes' Murder Castle, the 1893 World's Fair, murders, swindles all kinds of stuff. So become a supporter and check out that podcast at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. Because based on the reviews we've gotten after only two episodes of the new season, I don't think you'll be sorry. But for now, on with this show. Stories about young college co-eds are among the most terrifying in American history. They've been the source of our most chilling urban legends for decades. Of course, urban legends are notorious for being fiction with little connection to the truth. But as you'll often find, they got started for a reason. And often those reasons are because of things that actually did happen. But of course, that's not the only kind of fiction these stories inspire. In episode 13 of our last season, we presented the unsolved disappearance of a college girl named Paula Weldon who vanished in the Green Mountains of Vermont. When author Shirley Jackson was looking for inspiration for her second novel, she found it in a missing person flyer for Paula that she saw posted to a tree. And Paula Weldon became Shirley's muse for her book, Hangs a Man. Another young co-ed found her way into a very different tale one of true crime that became a movie called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. On June 1948, a young woman named Virginia Carpenter left her home in Texarkana, Texas, bound for the Texas State College for Women in Denton, but she never started those classes. Virginia was only 21 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was a pretty girl with a lot of friends, a bubbly personality and the ambition to make something of herself. She'd recently enrolled at the Texas State College for Women and planned to become a laboratory technician. she previously attended Texarkana Junior College and had saved her money to continue her education. She dreamed of pursuing a career in laboratory sciences, but it was a dream that would never come true. She boarded a train in Texarkana on the afternoon of June 1st, bound for Denton, where she'd start summer classes. She got off the train in Denton and held a taxi, which took her to Brackenridge Hall, where she'd been living that summer. The cab driver, Edgar Ray Jack Zachary, later told police that he had arrived at the dorm around 9.30 p.m. When he pulled up out front, Zachary said two men in a convertible were parked nearby, and they called out to his passenger. Virginia seemed to know them and replied, well, what are you all doing here? Virginia's traveling trunk had not yet arrived, so she paid Zachary a dollar to pick it up from the train station the following morning. She did have some suitcases in the taxi, but she told the driver that the two men would assist her with them. She said she knew them. Zachary said the three were talking when he drove away. Virginia gave him a smile and a wave, and that was the last reported sighting of her. You see, Virginia never checked into her dormitory that night. The next morning, Zachary picked up the trunk as he promised he would and dropped it off at the dormitory. The police later found it unopened, sitting by the front door. The identities of the two men who met Virginia outside the dorm remain a mystery. The only information detectives ever had about them was a description given by Zachary, who didn't pay much attention to them since Virginia obviously knew them. One was tall, he said. The other was short and stocky. Their car was cream-colored, but that was the best he could do. On June 4th, Virginia's boyfriend, Kenny Branham, contacted Virginia's mother and told her he hadn't been able to get in touch with her. Virginia's mother contacted the college and discovered that Virginia had never checked into her dorm and had not attended any of her classes. In a panic, she called the police and didn't and reported her daughter missing. With nothing else to go on, the police focused their investigation on Kenny Branham and cab driver Jack Zachary. Well, Kenny not only had an alibi, but he passed a polygraph test. He insisted that Virginia wouldn't run away. She didn't have another boyfriend and no former lovers who might be jealous. He'd been the first to report her missing, and the police decided he wouldn't have alerted anyone about her disappearance if he'd been involved in it. With Kenny cleared, that left the cab driver the last person to see Virginia alive, at least officially. In 1948, Zachary and his wife both claimed the taxi driver was home by 10 p.m. that night, and that Zachary went back to the hall the next day to drop off the trunk. In 1957, though, that story changed. Zachary's wife, who was by then his ex-wife, told the police that she'd lied at the time of Virginia's disappearance. She said he didn't actually come home until 2 or 3 a.m. She had no idea where he'd been. But Zachary was questioned many times during the investigation. Investigators always believed he was being cooperative. He passed multiple polygraph tests and was never charged. His ex-wife's 1957 statement to the police was never really given much weight. He passed away in 1984 and maintained he had no idea what had happened to Virginia. Well, in the weeks and months that followed the disappearance, alleged sightings of Virginia were reported all over South Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. One of the few reports taken seriously came from a bus ticket agent in Dequeen, Arkansas, who claimed that on the night of June 11th, a young woman had gotten off a bus from Texarkana and sat down in the station's lobby. She matched Virginia's description. She seemed nervous, walked around, and asked about local hotels. A few minutes later, a man in his mid-20s with light brown hair came into the station, and the two of them left together. A short time later, the agent received a telephone call from an unknown woman. The caller, he claimed, asked if Miss Virginia Carpenter was in the station. Was it real or some kind of prank? Well, no one knows because this sighting, along with all the others, was never confirmed. By late 1948, the case had grown cold. There were simply no clues about where Virginia could have gone. In 1955, her family had her legally declared dead. Over the years, there were a few new leads, but the case was not completely forgotten. In 1998, the police received a tip from a man in his 70s who claimed not only to know who killed Virginia, but where her body had been buried. He claimed the two men who met her at the dorm that night had raped and killed her, then buried her. Police searched the alleged burial site, but no remains were found. The two suspects he'd named were both deceased, so their names were never released to the public. And there was one last thing, which may be just a coincidence, but it's worth mentioning. Virginia grew up in Texarkana, the scene of a murder spree in 1946 that's also never been solved. The murderer, dubbed the Phantom Killer, terrorized the region and has been the subject of books and films. While on the surface, those unsolved murders seem to have nothing to do with Virginia's disappearance two years later, but there is one intriguing fact that ties the two cases together. Virginia Carpenter knew three of the Phantom Killers victims. Just a coincidence? Probably. But then again, not everyone believes in coincidence, so it's possible we'll never know what happened to Virginia on that night in June of 1948 any more than we'll know what happened to another young college girl who vanished in Ohio a few years earlier. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to our latest season, Gone, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor, that's me. America is a place that is filled with strangeness and unexplainable happenings. It's a place where tragic events occur and where mysteries exist for which no rational explanation can be found. Those mysteries include unexplained disappearances, just like the ones we've been discussing this season we've been opening the files on people who have vanished without a trace never to be seen again their stories are often bizarre unexpected and sometimes seem impossible but one thing that we do know is that they did happen and that these people simply walked out the door one day and never returned their stories have no conclusion their cases remain open their mysteries are unsolved they are gone but we won't allow them to be forgotten this is episode 10 of our latest season the story of a college co-ed who left her room one day and was never seen again on may 4th 1937 ruth Baumgartner was a 22 year old enrolled at ohio wesleyan university in delaware ohio the talented art major was only a few weeks away from her graduation and was starting to think about what direction her life was going to go next she was happy vivacious and easy to get along with she had a shy smile blue gray eyes and blonde hair with an unusual white streak on the left side of her head she was tall for a young woman in those days at 5'10. that meant she was often a few inches taller than most of the boys she knew on campus but That never stopped them from talking to her or asking her on dates. But Ruth had no interest in college boys. She had a fiancé back home, and no matter what some rumors would later claim, she simply had no interest in dating other boys. Her friends had never even seen her flirt with a boy at school. She was simply too busy. She wanted to finish school, start her career, and marry the boys she loved. That was the future she dreamed about, although tragically, it was one that would never happen. Ruth was last seen on the night of May 4th by some of her Tri-Delta sorority sisters shortly before 11 p.m. she just returned to her dorm, Austin Hall, after choir practice and had changed into her pajamas. She had her hair in curlers and seemed like her ordinary happy self. The other girls would later recall she didn't seem to be under any kind of strain or stress. A little before midnight, Ruth said goodnight to her friends and closed the door to the room behind her. A few minutes later, the light that could be seen under the bottom of her door went out, and soon the entire dorm was silent. It seemed to be just another ordinary night, but this night would turn out to be anything but ordinary. At some point during the darkest hours of the early morning, Ruth Baumgartner would vanish, never to be seen again. In 1937, Ohio Wesleyan University was a small, very close-knit campus. When Ruth failed to show up for any of her classes the next day, missing a test she'd been studying for, some of her sorority sisters went looking for her. They knocked on her door, it was locked, and checked around campus at the places she liked to go or where she studied or had classes, but there was no sign of her. Finally, at almost 10.30 p.m., they alerted the campus police who started an investigation. But Ruth's sorority sisters weren't content to leave things in the hands of security guards. They got organized and split up into groups, checking with local taxi companies at the railroad and bus stations, and at all the hangouts they'd visited with Ruth around town. By the following day, the Delaware police were also involved in the search, and bulletins were sent out throughout Ohio and into neighboring states. The disappearance was covered in newspapers and in radio broadcasts. Ruth's description was printed on signs and posters and repeatedly went out over the airwaves, but there was no sign of her. A massive volunteer search was carried out in Delaware. Hundreds of people walked the streets and alleyways. They checked old buildings, farmhouses, henhouses and outhouses all over the county. They searched the old stone quarries that had filled with water and had become popular as swimming holes with local students, but they failed to turn up any trace of the young woman. Unfortunately for everyone involved, the mystery of her disappearance only deepened as detectives began looking into the hours just before she vanished. Someone, the police assumed Ruth herself, had placed her dorm key on a ledge that was in the back corner of the Austin Hall staircase between the second and third floors. Her red Dodge convertible, an early graduation present from her parents, was in its regular parking spot in the garage, but the key had been left in the ignition. Had it been driven somewhere by Ruth or by someone else and then returned? No one knew. Ruth's dorm room was in perfect order, which in itself was a little unusual since Ruth was usually fairly messy. Her watch and her sorority pin, two items that she always wore, had been left on top of her dresser. The pajamas and robe her friends had seen her wearing the night before were hanging in the closet. Her bed was untouched. Either she hadn't slept in it, or she carefully made it before she left. Her alarm clock had been set for 6 a.m., the same time she got up every day, but it had been switched off. Either it had never been set at all, or Ruth had been there to turn it off at 6 a.m., had gotten up, dressed, and left the dorm without anyone seeing her. The police asked her closest friends to look through her closet and see what might be missing. That way, they'd have some idea of what she'd been wearing when she left. One of her handbags was gone, as were a brown suit, a hat, and brown lace-up ghillie shoes, which were like ballet slippers made from leather and tied like an athletic shoe. The clothing was added to her description, but this didn't generate any fresh leads. After the police failed to find anything solid to move the investigation forward, they began to speculate, and so did everyone else. Soon, rumors were flying all over town. The initial theory pushed by the police and one that Ruth's frightened parents were quick to go along with was that she had suffered an attack of amnesia and was wandering somewhere on the back roads of Ohio. One of her friends had mentioned to detectives that she'd seemed stressed lately, worrying about whether she had all the credits she needed to graduate, and this seemed to be echoed in a letter she'd recently written to her father, Carl, in which she wrote, I have to do so many things that I don't know how I'm going to get them all done. I am extremely tired." Well, looking back on this now, it seems to be the same feelings experienced by just about every college senior when graduation nears. There's nothing to suggest that Ruth's stress was out of the ordinary. Only one of her friends mentioned this stress. Everyone else agreed she was her usual easygoing self. Ruth's father and likely the police were just looking for anything that made sense and then there's the amnesia now let me go off on a tangent here and mention how rare genuine amnesia is in real life we've all heard of it though and we all know what it is but that's mostly because it's shown up so many times over the years in movies and television shows and books i mean it's kind of like quicksand Based on how often I saw it while watching TV as a kid, I really thought I was going to need to worry about quicksand a lot as an adult. Well, I kind of felt the same about amnesia. You know, a bump on the head or some other kind of trauma was going to make me lose my memory you know, until I got hit again and remembered who I was. But if amnesia was a silly theory, why was it the first thing that the police, Ruth's parents, school administrators, and even our friends thought of when nothing else made sense? Well, why not? With so many people in Hollywood films at the time suffering from amnesia, it seemed plausible. There were at least 60 movies that had amnesia plot lines in the early days of silent films, more than 30 in the 1920s, and another 50 by the time Ruth disappeared in 1937. Amnesia is rare in real life, but man, it happens in Hollywood a lot, and not only movies. It's been the plot of books, magazine stories, and comic books for decades, even though doctors could tell you that writers rarely presented amnesia accurately. It was more important for entertainment that amnesia moved the plot along. It didn't matter if the symptoms were accurate. It was a plot device used so the characters didn't know who they were or what they'd done. It created humor and tension, but I think we can all agree there's nothing funny about the plight of Ruth Baumgartner. The suggestion that the young woman had amnesia, which was a plot twist right out of a melodrama, did nothing more than throw the investigation even further off the track. Even though her friends and family wanted nothing more than for Ruth to wake up and realize who she was at some point, the amnesia explanation didn't work with the clues that finally started to accumulate as the search continued. Calls flooded the police station's telephone lines and while many of them came from the usual nuts, cranks, and lunatics, there were also a number of eerie reports that were taken seriously. Like one from Mrs. Wilmer Smith who lived near the Ohio Wesleyan campus. Between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. on the morning of May 5th, she heard three blood-curdling screams coming from the direction of the school. She said they sounded like the cries of a woman in terror. A report came in from a barber in Worthington, Ohio. He claimed to have seen a woman matching Ruth's description around noon on the day she disappeared. He said the young woman was pacing back and forth on Grandview Road and distinctly recalled she'd been wearing a brown suit. That same day, two women reported seeing Ruth in Zanesville. It was late morning, recalled Mrs. Edward Heil and Mrs. R.A. Eric, and she was hitchhiking, but she wasn't alone. A young man was with her, and he looked like he was around Ruth's age, perhaps another college student. H.B. Matthews, who worked in a signal tower for the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad in Grafton, reported seeing a girl who matched Ruth's description hitchhiking alone in the afternoon of Thursday, May 6th. Several days later, traveling salesman Joe W. Smith stopped at the closest police station and reported he'd given a ride to a young man and a girl who looked like Ruth. In fact, he was sure he'd heard the man call her Ruth. He picked up the pair in Nashville on May 7th and dropped them off later that day in Memphis. Well, predictably, as happens in every missing person's case that gets any kind of publicity, there were sightings of Ruth all over Ohio and Pennsylvania, New York, Tennessee, California, New Mexico, and well, pretty much all over the country. The sightings were checked out as well as could be managed, but each one was eventually dismissed. They all turned out to be a young woman mistaken for Ruth, people looking for attention or those who were simply unhinged. Even so, some of the sightings would have an effect on the case. How? Well, they give the police an excuse to call off the frustrating search for the missing girl. The authorities looked bad. If they couldn't find a 22-year-old college girl, then how could they solve a serious crime when one came along? It was the sightings of Ruth, or at least a girl who looked like Ruth, with a young man that bothered the cops and got the gossip mill running at full steam. If Ruth had skipped town to be with a boyfriend, then why was everyone looking for her? She'd obviously run away on her own. But was there any truth to this? Well, no one had even proven that the girl with the young man was Ruth. They were simply random sightings for people who didn't know her. To the police, though, it seemed to be the logical conclusion to the case. They didn't outright stop looking for Ruth, but they certainly put the brakes on the investigation. As Ruth's friends and families would argue, though, Ruth would never do what the police were suggesting. She was serious about school. Graduation was only a few weeks away, and besides that, she was happily engaged to Harry Bud Moore, who'd been her boyfriend for years. He was back home in Lakewood, Ohio, worried sick about his fiance. He spent every spare hour with Ruth's parents, Carl and Emma, trying to keep up with the search for Ruth. Ruth's sorority sisters disputed the claim that Ruth had run off with a boy. They'd never known her to date anyone other than Bud. If she'd been seeing someone else, they stated, they would have known about it. Besides, one of them said Ruth wouldn't have had more than a few dollars in her purse when she vanished. That was hardly the amount of money needed to disappear and start a new life somewhere. Well, the arguments made sense, but there was no question. The police had run out of leads. Ruth had simply vanished. When she left Austin Hall that morning, she might as well have just dwindled away like the shadows did when the sun rose over the campus that day. But her heartbroken parents refused to give up. They hired the famous Burns Detective Agency to pursue the case. The experienced operatives chased down alternative theories, trying to discover if Ruth had any enemies on campus. Had she ever been threatened or followed? Did anyone want to hurt her? They returned to every hospital and morgue in the region, checking again for unclaimed bodies or Jane Doe patients, but found nothing. Ruth's father was a wealthy businessman. Could Ruth have been kidnapped, possibly for ransom? Well, if she was, no ransom note was ever received in the end the burns detectives failed just as badly as the police had they failed to turn up any convincing evidence about the fate of ruth Baumgartner. all attempts to find the missing co-ed eventually came to an end all these years later we still have no idea what happened to ruth her story remains one of the most baffling and heartbreaking in my file cabinet of missing people No one deserves to disappear, but there are certainly some who go missing about which we can't express much surprise. Perhaps they had people in their life who wished them harm, or they were involved in something criminal, or they simply lived life on the edge and eventually they just fell off it. But none of those things fit Ruth, or Virginia Carpenter for that matter. They seem to be two young women who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and vanished forever, never to be heard from again. Let's do that let's do this one. So All right. we'll be good to go. So
1: let's do this. All right. Well, thanks for returning for more episodes of the American Hauntings Podcast, where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. This is season seven of the podcast, which we call Gone. That was pretty good, yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, I'm your co-host, Cody I'm taking a little inspiration from you. Yeah, is my little – Musical styling. Is my metal co-host, author, historian (laughs) – oh, Viking metal. That'd be good for you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Crybuff, buff, the founder of American Haunting's Troy Taylor. (laughs) I I like that one. That was good. Oh, good. Well, good. We'll Well, see how it comes out in the mix. (laughs) Uh, yeah probably not well <laughs> you should you should have seen when troy did that actually flame shot up from behind him i know zoomed. it was as there were you know pyrotechnics the whole bit yeah so. it was awesome mm. oh dude uh what's what's going on oh you can actually okay can i start off telling you something i was i was thinking about earlier <laughs> sure um i was listening to oh well, Doughboys boys podcast i love it oh they, yeah, they do, yeah they do this uh they do a couple like tournaments every um every march i think where they did something with every McDonald's item or like, do, like a sandwich restaurant tournament mm-hmm. and stuff. And they did this McDonald's one. And it's like, a, it's probably like a whole six episode sort of thing between like Patreon and um, the, the full episodes and right as their final episode to launch the chomp, the championship, they call it championship <laughs> um, launches. That's when the lockdown happened. And so they had to go from always doing episodes in person to doing oh. them over zoom and, and mm-hmm. remote and they always said that they would never ever do that, you know. That's they always had, had people in the studio or whatever. They're like, yeah, sure. we don't want to do remote stuff. And now that's mostly what they do. But what I was thinking about is how that the very that last episode of their tournament, the very first episode they did remote it's so awkward and terrible and hard to listen to because no <laughs> none of us knew what we were doing it was so hard oh yeah and yeah. i think that probably the first time first couple of times probably you and i did it it was probably yeah, sort of similar
0: terrible yeah and
1: na- now think about how much better and easier this oh, yeah. feels you I know, know? I know um it's so weird i don't know we just but well, also through. they also all sounded terrible too
0: everybody sure. that was doing that sounded awful and that's that's changed. Everything is, you know, is better. And I'm not even talking about just our sound. I mean, just right, right. Everyone right. in general. I mean, the 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 quality of all that stuff has improved so much.
1: Yeah. yeah. I just thought it just reminded me because I was just talking about how oh I see the flames pop up on Zoom. And,
0: <laughs> right. Um yeah.
1: But anyway, aside from um devilish things happening in your background, <laughs> um, what's been going on with you, man? What's up? Not not much. Uh just uh coming off of uh, Memorial Day weekend,
0: so which yes. really Uh, I don't really do much for that one. I, I'm just going to eat,
1: I'm going to eat hot dogs. Yeah. uh,
0: I had, I worked yesterday. I mean, I worked all weekend. I had events this weekend. So, um, you know, and came back home and I'll throw something on the grill tomorrow. That's going to be, you know, as far as celebrating other than just the, you know, respecting the the, the holiday, but of course, celebrating wise, that's, that's really all I'm doing. I just, I'm trying to get through these last few events before the conference. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. So I was in a, had a meeting with the conference people at the venue and everything. So I had a lot of a lot of stuff on the mind over the weekend. So, so does but, Lewis
1: and Clark, do they know what they're getting themselves into?
0: Do they know yeah, what I to think expect? So. I think so. Uh, I met with the, the, the uh, Brian that runs the uh, Hathaway Cultural Center where the event will be and you know, it would um, some, he's very easy going about everything. He just had questions. How did I want this? How do I want that? And, you know, so it's going to be easy. It's going to be good. You know, we've got, we uh, mm-hmm. got a lot of space there. It's really nice. going to be a nice spot. So the,
1: the campus still look all beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a nice
0: campus. Uh, so yeah. And we can, there are lots of parking, you know, it's, it's just going to be, um, it's going to be good. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, I'm, I, it's going to be a lot of fun, I. but I'm now getting keyed up about it. So it's, you know, but you know, I still have a couple of events. I got a tour that's sold out and I got a couple, I got an uh, Edgar Allan Poe dinner and a St. Louis exorcism dinner before the conference. So that's all I have to get through at this point. <laughs> so you're so close. Uh, yeah. Everything else is, um, is dealing with the conference and then, you know, we'll go after that. But, uh, but if you're thinking, Hey, I'd like to go see Troy when he's uh, getting ready to spin out uh, before the <laughs> conference and hear him talk about those things. You can go to com, And if you are interested in the conference, I'm going to keep hammering that on you. It's getting too close now. You're either coming or you're not. So right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we have less than a month to go, and we don't even have that many tickets left that we're selling. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, the cutoff is going to be, uh, I believe, June 16th. So any tickets we have left, those are the only ones we'll sell in advance. If there's anything left after that, we'll sell them at the door, but they'll cost more. So you might Mm -hmm. as well get them in advance. So anyway, ghostconference.net, June 23rd, 24th, 26th annual Haunted America Conference. Uh, It's going to be
1: fun. So. 26 years, man. I know. I know it. Or I guess, um, wait, is it 27 years? you are. Is it 27 years? No, 20 this is skipped? 26. Okay. This is
0: number 26. Well, I, it would be 27 if it wasn't for COVID. But, got it, got it. Know, this is 26.
1: So. Yeah, Jeez. Yeah, no, but seriously, I was, what, five when you yeah. started doing <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah. Dang. I know. Oh, man. Imagine how much cooler I would have been if my parents had started bringing me to those when yeah, I was see? five. I know, so blame them. So, I, I, <laughs> I blame them
0: for, <laughs> for so, many so many things. Right. Many is we both. Uh, not i don't blame your parents i blame mine but <laughs> i you know, was gonna say um, troy blamed uh, my yeah, parents, your, for parents, parents have never done anything to me
1: so <laughs> I, you know. oh uh, you remember you remember dead winter when i was like uh, did i tell you i invited my mom <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah i do remember that and you're like is she uh, here like no she said no yeah oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, i'm actually i'm actually Troy. i'm going on like a we're doing like a uh, mother son like day tomorrow i'm oh. gonna i'm gonna pick her up because she doesn't like driving to Missouri um i'm gonna go pick her up and uh of course not and you know what yeah and um i'm gonna she's never been to my apartment i've lived here for five years um are you serious i'm serious so i'm gonna show her my apartment for the first time ever and um we're gonna drive around um alton and check out just like the old house and she'll tell me some things about my dad and her and this and that uh-huh. and the other and um then we're gonna go to my sister's house because they're having like a barbecue that's why i said i'm just gonna oh, there eat, you go. eat a bunch of sausage and stuff yeah 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 play with my new nephew and um oh maybe i'll um see if i can get him like a i'll make i'll make him like a podcast onesie or something yeah with like a pentagram on it or something yeah like that, or for your so, mom so yeah, for my mom and my mormon side of that yeah yeah they'll all love it <laughs> um i'll put it right on the little flap though so when yeah. can do his diaper you know <laughs> yeah uh okay well anyway i'll be done being weird uh okay we've got a nice uh listener review this one is from tyler Hags. And it's just titled, highly recommend, three exclamation points. It says, just recently found this podcast and can't stop listening. Makes my workday go by so much faster. I usually stop listening to a podcast when I get off work, but I catch myself still listening on my way home, too. Well, great. I mean, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks. What do you normally do on the way home? Do you sit in silence? Are you one of those? Or (laughs) maybe listens to music. You know, you know that's probably a more likely scenario than what I jumped to. But um, thank you, Tyler, so much for for, uh, for the review. I and mean, we really appreciate it. And I, anytime we can help people get their work day done faster. The only thing yeah. that scares me is like we've had some people talk about they have like really important jobs. And they're like, this is an distraction. <laughs> and I'm like, don't do that. D-
0: yeah, please don't do that. Especially with yeah. heavy
1: machinery or something. Yeah, if you're a surgeon. Or something or, yeah.
0: sharp, you yeah. know, involved.
1: <laughs> yes, but uh, Tyler, as long as you're being safe, uh, all the more power to you. <laughs> Um, Okay, so... Troy, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things in the entire world: college, college girls. girls. Damn knew it, we're I knew, say that. I knew I, it. I s- knew that was coming. I'm so, so sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm. I am. If, if, <laughs> I might be predictable, but I'm also consistent. Um, <laughs> and uh, not. And they're not even one of my favorite things. Uh, June 1948. <laughs> so college coeds and urban legends. We've we've talked about this a little bit. Oh sure, yeah. Was yeah. and just uh, like a a, regr- a refresher. I know I've kind of asked this before, but w- were a lot of these things just used as like a uh, Santa Claus? sort of thing to keep people yeah i think so yeah
0: i I think they were those types of things to you know make sure that you uh didn't go out at night that you you know called and checked in that you didn't go out with the wrong people you know they're cautionary tales of what can happen to you when you go away to college you know and right um, something bad happens if you're not careful so i mean i think that's that's uh, you know how the urban legend began, but like like we said, a lot of those got started for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there there really are lots of stories about, you know, co-eds and bad things that happened to them. But unfortunately, there are real stories, too. And sure. this is the case of a couple of them who just disappeared. So Yeah, yeah. And well, this is not the first one we've covered. I mentioned that, too. We talked about Paula Weldon back in the mm-hmm. you know, last season. And the disappearance on the long trail and all that stuff. And that was, I think, more of an episode about that area than it was about Paula. But Mm -hmm. still, she played a pretty important part in the story. I mean, that's what got that particular story so much attention was her disappearance. And she had some fairly well-connected parents, kind of like Ruth will later in this episode. So,
1: yeah, yeah. And we'll get to Ruth in just a second. Um, And I'll have so many questions, but. Uh, Virginia Carpenter leaves Texarkana for college, never actually makes it to class, wants to be lab tech. Uh, the taxi driver, so he takes a train in a taxi. The taxi driver's <laughs> name, I love, I just, I like his name because I could just say it Edgar Ray Jack Zachary. Yeah. Like I know. Like I know. Bounces. Yeah. I don't know where
0: the Jack came from. I mean, Edgar yeah. Ray Zachary, but he went by Jack. And I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. I, that's just, <laughs> that was the name he went <laughs> hey, by. Hey, you so. know what?
1: I don't yeah. question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Charlie used to say, like, yeah, my name's Chuck. They call me Charlie for short, and just like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you know, I just don't question people's names, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so the basically, she goes missing. Uh, uh, allegedly, the cab driver says that there were two men waiting for her, or not maybe waiting for her, but happened to be there or yeah, waiting for. Yeah,
0: and coincidentally, she, I'm sure since she knew them, right? Yeah, so yeah, you know. so she
1: knew them, and and immediately when they asked him the cab driver you know about what was going on with all this i think the fact that he couldn't really describe either of the men made me think he he wasn't lying like he didn't set it up because yeah he didn't pay any attention
0: yeah because I that's feel like what if, i thought too yeah if he I was lying he'd have I more think details. the story the the the, the change-up of a story was just an ex-wife with an axe to grind really. yes and i think that's what the cops thought too because they didn't really pay much attention to it but yeah yeah i mean if he'd have had these this long, detailed description of these right two guys a scar on his right body. arm. What's the deal here? You know, but he's like, I don't know. They she knew him. So I didn't yeah. pay any attention. One was you tall. Know. One was short. Like, yeah, yeah, that was all I can tell you.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, you know, hell hath no fury, as you uh, <laughs> um, as you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So police eventually get a tip in 98 uh, about two. But the two suspects that they ha- are, have been told about are dead. They can't find this alleged grave. Uh, you said Virginia Carpenter also knew three of the Phantom Killers victims. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: a story we've we've never really gotten into, but um, you know, we might do something about it at some point. Okay. Uh, because it's a really interesting story. But um, I, I mentioned the movie version of it, the Town That Dreaded Sundown, which was made mm-hmm. like in the 70s, and it's it's definitely the time period. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's 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 rough. Um, but yeah. Um, one thing I can say about it is one of the stars or one of the actresses in the film is Marianne from uh, Gilligan's Island.
1: Oh, well now um, you have my attention. That,
0: not a lot of people I really remember from it, but it's kind of done in that pseudo documentary style that they did a lot of back then, you know, Texas Chainsaw, all that, oh, stuff yeah, had yeah, that okay. kind of feel to it. And that's how this is too. And then they did a remake of it, which was interesting because. When they did the remake, it wasn't really a remake. It was almost like a sequel because the original film played a part in this the this the uh, next movie. They were showing it at the drive-in uh, when you know the oh, killer attacked oh. somebody. But interesting. Okay, it is an interesting story, and like I said, it is something that I hope that we can do something with at some point because it's never been solved. Um, you know, there there have been some some suspects named, but nobody's ever solved the murders. So maybe that's something in a future thing that we can do but yeah. um you know in a in a nutshell i mean you you know look it up i mean just give say, it a look you say, do so you do get... you want
1: to spoil
0: anything with no no with no, no. we not in. into all of it um it's something that people can easily look up i usually do a post of the anniversary of at least one of the murders i'll do a i do a facebook author page post about the about yeah. the murders the moonlight murders uh they knew them by that. there was a couple of different names for the murders but didn't we do moonlight no no that was something that's a different one okay that was a that was something i i gave that a name okay Okay. it was something different but um yeah we did that was our first season of the patreon podcast it was called the moonlight murder just murder and it was a different whole different thing but um but speaking of that i i I gotta remember this so i forget i don't forget to tell you i have a (laughs) copy of uh the collected short stories of ambrose beers for you I found it this weekend. Uh-huh. So I have a copy. I'll give it to you when I see you at the conference or something. Thanks, so, man. Yeah, I grabbed it and I said, I'm going to get this for Cody because there's good stories in here. So. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so that has nothing to do with this episode. But yes, <laughs> you know, of course. Yeah, I just remembered that as we were talking about things that we can look up. Oh. So yeah, t- anyway, but it- it's worth taking a look, um, you know, because it is an interesting story and it just sort of leaves things hanging. But, you know, I always thought it was interesting that, She knew, you know, knew well, three of the victims, Mm -hmm. you know, so if there was a connection between all those victims and that's the jury's out on that one, because nobody knows for sure if that was something that was all connected or if it was just random murders that happened in Texarkana. Um, The fact that she knew three of them and then disappeared without a trace, not that long afterward, that's it's weird. And it's weird. I mean, maybe there's no connection, but it's still odd. It's know? some. It's something that a, a police officer,
1: or an investigator wouldn't ignore. Oh no, exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, maybe it's coincidence. I'm surprised you haven't. Uh, have you ever thought about writing about this and that? And you know, um, yeah, looking I mean, into i thought and...
0: about it. So it's something that may be, you know, down the road. So <laughs> Tw- I, I don't. Twenty know. books down it. your list. or Yeah, something. I don't know. Um, I I do have a large list, but um. <laughs> Uh, now, now i have a large list and another going list of future seasons of the patreon podcast oh hell yeah oh so, yeah i've already got the next two planned so this is we're only on episode two of hh H. H. Holmes. actually has huh. two even gone up yet no yes yeah we put two out right mm. yeah that was last week last two- week was Part oh, 2 You're
1: right. Two was last yeah. week. And then sorry, yeah. this is it's all yeah. getting muddled with and
0: everything mixed in. So with yes. three podcasts going, gee, go figure.
1: Yeah, so, I see. start. Yeah, I finally started whiteboarding it out like you did um, to kind of <laughs> keep myself <laughs> and weird. and and also like um, like you have to like write stuff and get things sent to me and record that stuff. I And then I'm doing outlines and I'm doing ads. And stuff. So I'm like trying to balance yeah. out, like, trying this to is where this is, is going. Yeah. And yeah, um, well, at
0: least we don't have to record anything else with the Patreon ones. So at least that lets that off your plate. You just have to edit it, but you don't have to like get on. Oh, talk, oh, no.
1: You know, yeah. Stuff. That's, that's, yeah. That so is, that
0: at least helps.
1: That's the best thing. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I, I've pretty much just dedicated now, like, Sundays need to just be my podcast <laughs> everything day, which is oh, fine. Right? I just yeah. have to like accept that because <laughs> I, like pushed like let's do let's do all Uh, this let's do all these things it's all Um, your fault then you were (laughs) just as down to oh i know uh something i wanted to i put this down as a note to remind myself um but i thought it would just be nice to say to you and to say to our listeners and stuff again is i think that uh with some of this i don't want to say i've gotten too comfortable but i want to remember again that I want to focus on the victims and make sure people remember their names, especially if they're lost yeah. to history. Sure, and only poke fun at the things that I'm supposed to be able to poke fun at. <laughs> and and yeah. I just it, I think it's just a good reminder to talk. Not that I've been making fun of victims or anything, but no, no, I want to make I sure I want to make sure say their name. You know, yeah. say no, that know we're talking about this because they're gone. We want to remember them. And then if there's anybody that's guilty, then I'll drag them through the mud, and that'll be <laughs> um, right. Fine, but I just, I I made a note of that yesterday, just be like, man, I want to make sure I don't get too far away from this, and um, <laughs> so with that, let's let's dive into the larger story of this, which honestly is not going to be too long, uh, but it's something we got to definitely talk about, so Ruth Baumgartner, May 4th, um, Star Wars Day, 1937, yeah. uh, Delaware, Ohio, about to, this is such a weird one, she's about to graduate, has a fiance yeah. back home, doesn't really seem interested in other things, I, I know people can like lead, lead secret lives. They're like, my friends have like secretly dated someone with no one knowing. And then they're yeah, like, what the know, hell? You know, I
0: know, I know, we, but th- it, this think. is just so odd because she, you know, people knew her and she, I mean, they knew her well. I mean, she's living in that sorority and those girls were all, you know, in this time and place, we're all very close. In and each other's so, business. <laughs> yeah, they were. And because I mean, they you know, like, became detectives i mean they didn't even oh yeah to the cops they i love went that. out and started looking on their own because they just weren't gonna wait any longer but you know i mean she was someone who was would have been very noticeable at the time mm-hmm. um you know i made a note that she was five ten, which in you know that that's time period you know in, ni- in the 1930s that's tall for a woman right you know and you know her she had blonde hair with the like a white streak on one side of Mm -hmm. just very, very light blonde hair. And I mean, people would have remembered her if they had seen her. Of course. That's the thing. And, you know, she was just trying to knuckle in and get through the last few weeks of school. She's almost done, probably just almost a finals week. And the fact that she would just walk off on her own, that didn't sit right with anybody that it was suggested to. They just didn't buy it. Uh, her friends didn't buy it. Her family didn't buy it. Um, nobody did. Can I you ask, know, uh,
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's a controversial question, but it's something just it popped into my head. Like, do you think she was going away to take care of an unwanted pregnancy or something like no, that, that randomly I really don't. I I, mean,
0: I really don't. There's, I mean, I suppose it's possible. I mean, there's no way we can know anybody's secret.
1: Yeah. You know, I just know we've talked here, about but, things like this
0: well, like, but I around that Yeah, we have. We have. But her her behavior leading up to her disappearance doesn't that doesn't seem to make sense okay you know what i mean i mean she was had every you know intention of going to class the next day i mean she was up late in the evening with her friends and went to bed and you know, and know what everybody said. Oh, well, you know, they didn't seem like there was anything wrong with her. They didn't seem like there was anything bothering her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she seemed just fine. And now, you know, she's just gone. So, I mean, I suppose it's possible. I mean, I, I don't think we can rule out anything since it's unsolved. But it just doesn't seem likely. It's not high on up on your everything list. else in the story. Yeah, I wouldn't. Right, I wouldn't put it very high on the list. But what was she doing out? I mean, it's obviously no one came to her room and grabbed her and carried her away because there was no signs of anything out of the ordinary. I mean, you know, I mean, her bed was made or, you know, things were hanging up was it, wasn't In fact, that her room was neater than usual so that her friend said but wasn't that out of the ordinary well I suppose but I mean really she could have just straightened up her room and her friends just always knew she was <laughs> oh, yeah. a mess you know she does I mean? it once so, a month or whatever yeah that's that that doesn't I mean I don't think that's a huge red flag of any kind but so, I don't know man it, it's just it, it isn't like anybody dragged her out so she probably went out um but you know her key was in the car which was odd and it but it was in its usual spot um
1: she could have gone somewhere come back somebody grabbed her it's hard to say can i I get some clarification on something too so um so she or someone locks her room door and then leaves the key in a stairwell
0: behind yeah on a shelf in the stairwell okay i I, no one knows why i mean i i said presumably ruth because who else would have had her keys right but yeah, that is odd too. I mean, that's another odd thing that's out of the ordinary, huh. And but left her key in her, in the car. Yeah.
1: You know, weird. <sighs> it's so yeah. Yeah. And she didn't, yeah. You said, as soon as you said, like she mentioned, like they said, oh, she was very tired. And I was like, yeah, that's every college kid. And you, yeah, right well, after right, that, like, finals, <laughs> you know, yeah, or almost to
0: finals time. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's normal so
1: yeah and then amnesia and then this um, <laughs> yeah. is disassociative fugue disorder happens so it's very very rare yeah it's really and, rare
0: and, and i couldn't help but you know you got to talk about go it go on a tangent there yeah you it was, have to, it's funny yeah i mean not the story isn't funny but amnesia is well i'm sure it's not funny to people that it happens to but man i can't i could not even begin to count how many movies and tv shows and yeah. cartoons i watched as a kid where people had amnesia soap operas so uh, you know, yes, people yes. always have amnesia you know they can't remember anything and suddenly it all comes back once they get hit in the head again so, yes and i use the the comparison with uh, quicksand uh-huh. which i was sure you know i i mean i knew how to get out of quicksand i mean that was something that i'm well aware of that what are you, you supposed to stop, struggle stru- stop struggling? never yeah, struggle yeah. and try to why float, do i know that you know what? i know see that's my point we all thought we were going to really, that's information we needed to know. Yeah, right. You know, um, you know, and, and like, I also knew which cactuses that you could cut open that had water inside. Oh, I don't you know, know that. I mean, yeah, because I was sure that at some point I was going to be stranded in the desert and there would be no water. And right. so I knew which cactus, I, I mean, dumb stuff like that, that you see from TV shows and Westerns and, you know, everything else. And amnesia was just one of those things that I just thought was, you know that's the first thing they suggest and I'm thinking guys you got to stop listening to radio <laughs> soap operas and watching these movies because she did not I very it seems very unlikely that she had amnesia. No, it's
1: funny, too, because it's like we learned all this stuff in school. It's like, can you teach me how to do taxes and budget, please? Oh, yeah, no. For the love of God. No, no, nothing like that. But. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Um, yeah. Yeah, but but also, like, I wouldn't um, – I guess I wouldn't be so surprised if, like, they're seeing this all the time on TV and everywhere. Oh, yeah. I'd just be like, yeah. well, yeah, it
0: seems well, yeah, like – And then it was – I mean, it was, I'm sure it was radio drama. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And movies, but still, I mean, yeah, I, I mentioned how many movies had that as a subplot, you know, leading up to the, her disappearance, there had been dozens and dozens of them. And so you were seeing that on a regular basis on the yeah. screen, you know.
1: So. And we we had learned in one of our psych classes about uh, disassociative fugue disorder and like where people would just, their car would be found still running with the keys in it and their wallet mm-hmm. and everything. And this person would disappear and then have a new life and be found like two years later. And I'm like, okay, I it's very, very rare, but I'm like, yeah. I get that. But also I'm like, you were Walter White. You were making meth and you had to like break <laughs> bed and get out. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, so that stuff just doesn't, doesn't happen. But this is such a bizarre story, but okay. there are, Let's, let's talk about some clues, quote unquote, um, big swishy quotes. Uh, yeah. Mrs. Wilmer Smith heard screams coming from the school between two to 3 AM. Okay. Creepy. Yeah, creepy, it's but creepy. Uh, yeah. Um, a woman wearing a brown suit was reported on Grandview Road pacing. And this would have been also a taller suit. Yeah. Right? I mean, exactly. a, a yeah. tall woman in a yeah. suit. Yeah. Uh, young man and Ruth are seen hitchhiking on Thursday, May 6th. And a man claims he picks them up on, uh, 7th dropped, uh, on the 7th, dropped them off in Memphis. As the case goes cold, the parents hire the Burns Detective Agency, which I love yeah. when we talk, talk about them and the Pinkertons and all this sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, I do, too. Um, at least the Burns Agency had a better reputation than the Pinkertons did. I feel like <laughs> you, you know, would have so. jumped
1: at the chance to be one of these gumshoes. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I would have I would have loved
1: that. I think so. you would have I think you would have been good at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You just would always, you've been in this like more silent one, just always writing, always writing, always <laughs> writing. And I'd go around asking all the questions and then you uh, whisper in my ear and I'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah there you um, go. Before I leave. Yeah. Um, but so, but really with this one, I think the most baffling thing that you've kind of been touching on anytime I push a little bit is there's just really nothing, no. to nothing going on. It go seems. Just yeah.
0: Guesses. I mean, you know, nothing. and none of those sightings where people claim they saw her wearing or, you know, in her brown clothes and none of that stuff was ever, you know, substantiated. It was all just, well, it might've been her. It was some blonde. You know yeah but i mean how many blondes that wore and when i say suit i don't want you to think it's you know she looked like don draper uh, i mean I it was it. a skirt and jacket. of course and things, of course you know, i understand 1930s i know but still somebody hears suit that's not what you think of uh, anymore, well actually that's you know, the exact kind of
1: question I, w- I have supposed to ask on this podcast too yeah so yes, thank I mean, you well, for clarifying because i
0: mean a lot of people wouldn't because that's not what you think of when you're right, right 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 you know? so um you know i mean So they saw somebody wearing, a how many brown outfits you think were out there and blondes wearing them, you know, and there was nothing that ever, you know, that was the thing that kept saying, well, we saw her with this guy. Well, but there was no, no one had ever seen her with anyone but her fiance. Yeah, you know, and so that Hmm. just seemed odd, too. You know, which is, I'm sure, why her fiancé and her parents were like, oh, yeah, it must be amnesia. Yeah. I'd rather think amnesia than, you know, she took off with some dude. Infidelity. You know? Yeah, and, you know, it went off to, I don't know, 1930s. What did you go do? Join a, a jazz combo and smoke reefer? I don't In, know. I, I mean, Memphis, what yeah. Do, what do you do? I... So, I don't know. I um, Yeah, and that's the thing about this. There's just no... There aren't any clues. There aren't any, anything to go by.
1: She well, it's, it's on and never turned up. So. It's not, it's so, I mean, so yeah, that there's no clues. That's what I was talking about. But I think that the the kind of tangential point I was trying to hit is that it's uh, but what's with the last person you would expect any of this stuff to happen to you or like there's yeah. there's nothing in her past or anything. It seems like, Oh, this was a red flag. It's right. Like, right no, right. no. Yeah. And so that's like the really frustrating thing. Um, yeah. Uh oh gosh, you said something that I wanted to follow up on. Can't remember. Um anyway, but yeah, this is um Yeah, amnesia. Amnesia. <laughs> yeah, it's not just um short term memory loss from anything else. No, but this is I mean, what do you do? Is there it, it's you and it's I the know. thing you th- you think it can never can never happen to yeah, you, can never happen yeah. to somebody you know. And um And it does. And well, it does. I don't
0: for somebody for
1: sure. Yeah. Oh, oh well, no, what I was going to say it's like she doesn't uh, it's not like she has a cell phone. She could be secretly texting right. someone her friends right. don't know about right. or
0: whatever. Yeah. That, that's why it would be so difficult for her friends to not know. Right. If she was seeing someone. Yeah. You know, they they would have seen this guy around. They, or, they
1: had to have. Or they someone have would to have. someone would have noticed, like if a teacher went missing, too, or an yeah. older boy at the school, right. maybe. Right. you know, like, sure. Yeah. They would have put stuff together. Well. Um, That's all I have before I dive into other stuff because there's okay. just nothing to say except for no. I, I hope she had a good life and nothing yeah, bad and happened.
0: Yeah, I hope. I hope whatever it was, you know, that she survived it. And you know, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> we got nothing. One of those stories that just
1: does just no end to it. So yeah. So the, but for some reason, like we've had stories where. We assume something bad happens. We've had stories mm-hmm. where you and I talk about we really hope something really good happened. Well, this, this one seems more
0: neutral. No, there's no way to go. Either we have we no don't idea.
1: hope it's bad or good. I mean, we just don't know. So yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's the story. Um, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our latest subscribers on Patreon. So, Troy, are you ready for this? Well, we okay, we ha- people have been yeah. loving the stuff that we've been doing. And yep. it's been great. And so we've had um, uh, we've had a lot of people subscribe and I really hope you all are enjoying it and let me know. But I want to give some quick shout outs to Amy, Tammy, Susie, Brandon, Audra, Gianna, Diana, Diana, maybe Gordon, Joe, Jim, Dylan, Donna, our family, Mayor Jones, Beth, Leanne, Jan, Susan, Yvonne, the Marks Brothers, Sue, Mano, Jessica, Ruth, Leslie, Jan, Reese, Albert, Dana, Katie, Amy, Brent, Bill and Jennifer.
0: Thanks. Yeah, well, this uh, this new season of the the Patreon podcast is is getting a lot of attention. Teach fucking rules. So, dude. Yeah, it's we're getting great. a lot of new people on it and uh, people are sending in uh, comments about it, uh, reviews about it. Um, and people are digging it. So and, I, and actually, I'm having a really good time doing it. So mm-hmm. that's been it's been really fun to get to tackle something as big as. H. H. Holmes with an alternate podcast. So it's kind of fun. So if you're missing out, and if you're not a supporter, you are missing out, um, you need to get over to our Patreon page and become a supporter. Um, it's just patreon.com slash American hauntings. Uh, we have two full seasons of the alternate podcast already. And we just posted last week, uh episode two of season three which is as i said AJ holmes it's called sinister um so um actually the only other thing i i wanted to add was um you you have something else before i say hey don't forget to use the discount illustrators okay
1: uh well do you want to do that or do you want me to
0: do this doesn't matter
1: it's now time for our ghost writer. Okay. So if you have a question or comment about the world of Macabre, you can email us at AmericanHongistPodcasts at gmail.com. Because, Tori, this email is titled H.H. Holmes. Oh, okay. And it is from Aaron. And he says, hey, Troy and Cody, just leaving your review on the new Patreon podcast. So far, I'm loving it. I've read the book, listened to the audiobook, and took my mom and dad to your last dinner in spirits on H.H. Holmes. I oh, like my. the fact that there's a little more detail and side there stories is. that weren't in the book or the dinner. Yes, there I love the voices. Oh God. I as, had
0: several people say that. I haven't uh, had to do too many yet. It's so fun. So, it's so, it's so much
1: fun. And I love it. I love it when you mess up and you have to do the voices over again. It's fun for me. Yeah. No one else hears that. Just I know. You, just so. me. Um, as far as the audiobook goes, <laughs> it took a while for the narrator's voice to grow in me, but your performance on the podcast is exemplary and I love the sound effects. Keep up the good work guys. And that's from Aaron. Cool. Cool. That's what I want. Okay. That's all oh, right. So
0: that went with that. So that's good. Yes. So, all right. Well then the last thing I will say then is if you guys are looking for books or tours or events or whatever, uh, go to AmericanHauntings.net. You can find all the stuff we do uh, when you are checking out, use the podcast or use the discount code podcast, and you can use it also in Cody's shirt store, which is American hauntings And uh, use the same code there too, get 10% off everything you order. So you are uh, with a free podcast, making money just by listening. So, two free podcasts now, making money. Yeah. Yeah. With the Uh, Alton one too. Yes. That's only 10 episodes though. So remember that it's not going to be forever.
1: It won't be forever. Nothing's forever. That's right. Um with that depressing note, uh this episode of the American <laughs> yeah, was a downer. way was to go, Cody. Written by no. Troy Taylor and produced and edited <laughs> by me, Cody Beck. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, neighbors, random people on the street about it, college girls, and follow us on iTunes Spotify, <laughs> When Stitcher. you're
0: kidnapping them from their dorm
1: rooms. <laughs> by the way, if you escape, Cody's, download yeah. this um New I'm not I'm not kidding. I'm say? not kidding. I said if you're if you're escaping from this car make sure oh, to download oh, okay. this podcast Gotcha. all right i'm not kidnapping this is what he okay. says this is what no, he
0: oh, says. i uh you're the one who brought it up or
1: so. anywhere, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast very like
0: disturbing God. comments this episode you
1: the website at american uh for more info about the show notes photos links and more troy's been sending me a bunch of photos i've been building out pages for individual yeah. episodes and yeah, i've been photos. trying to
0: send them for each episode
1: yes and that's oh. been great um, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or anywhere else that you waste hours every day when you're supposed to be working, studying, or operating heavy machinery. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're operating on people.
1: Yeah, so. operating, yeah. operating oh. on, yeah, operating in a <laughs> general way. We promise that we're much more entertaining. So thanks for listening. We couldn't promise.
0: Should we promise? I think let's say we
1: probably are. We We might want to rephrase that. What's a yeah? We promise ring that kind of thing, like a a promise ring. Oh god, yeah. (laughs) uh, Okay. Um, All right, go ahead. Sorry. We couldn't and definitely wouldn't do it without you. So, so until next time. Goodbye. (laughs) Oh, so long. Sorry, I stepped on your goodbye.
0: It's okay. See you
1: later. Oh man. Okay, (laughs) so I'll cut out like half of that. Um, No, 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 we don't (laughs) have to cut out half of it.